Blog Talk Radio. To the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, June 17th, 2023. And I took a week off last week. I hope the listeners took an opportunity to check out the archive of shows, and I hope you too are appreciating the beauty of nature wherever you find yourself today. And let me also welcome those of you listening in the future to the podcast Across Time. We're going to talk once again about the omnipresent divine today and also how it relates to nature, our lives, abundance, and the light. And no matter when or where, you are listening to this program, the omnipresent divine, which is everywhere, connects us. There is no separation of space or of time. Likewise, we are inseparable from nature and from one another, even while being Beautiful, beautiful created souls walk out into a meadow. I know that many of you are in um, different parts of the world here. We are approaching the beginning of summer. Where you are, you may be approaching the beginning of winter. Either way, this is a beautiful time of year that carries messages to us. Look at the beauty and diversity of a single meadow. Look at the leaves that are falling from the trees if you happen to be in a place where winter is arriving. Look at the multicolored grasses for those of you with winter coming. Look at the beautiful wildflowers emerging. Notice the abundance. Do you see limits? Do you see a container that limits the beauty you see? You may see a container that was imposed by humanity. But even that can't contain the abundance of beauty. It is everywhere. I want to start this program, and let me say 
that I have a number of um, things that I opened to before the show today or notes that appeared while I was opening to them. And in a couple cases, I was looking for a particular writer, but actually not very many. And when I was looking for a particular writer, often they surprised me with what appeared. But here's a note that was in my book. And I was consciously seeking some of these notes, but they very rapidly appeared. And it's important to say today. This is a very brief quote from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., who lived 1929 to 1968. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. This, my friends, is key abundance, how we define abundance is also key. How we flow into abundance organically and allow ourselves to be filled and present with the omnipresent divine, which is everywhere. We do not live in the world that the materialists, those who do not believe in any form of spirituality, have told us about. Yes, we have had challenges. Some of you listening out there have maybe had more challenges than most. And you know who you are. You are strong. You are beautiful. You are a growing and courageous soul, those challenges will not preclude your spring. These are the lessons that nature teaches us. And I also, right around the time, right at the beginning of the show, very close, I happened to open in another book I hadn't opened yet. And I had actually looked for this author in yet another book I had, and here she was. And her quote reminds us of the topic. In fact, you're going to find it fascinating. This time, the last 12 hours, I'm going to tell you about a couple of synchronicities that have occurred, meaningful coincidences. These encourage us. These tell us we are living in a miraculous world. We are living in a miraculous universe. We are living in a miraculous multiverse. Look at the stars. And yet those stars that you can see, which are very much limited from what our ancestors could see because of the lights of the cities, depending on where you find yourself, even if you could see every star in the sky like they could 300 years ago, if you live in such a place, if you are blessed to live in such a place, you are only seeing a glimpse of the vastness. There are no limits. We limit ourselves. Yes, we go through experiences that are going to test us. If we were not going to be tested, we would not be on this planet. We are courageous souls to be here. 
in these times and in others. We are courageous, growing souls. And can we even imagine what is next for us? I do fully believe that the divine is all about creation, about the creation of beauty. And although we are inseparable from all that is, our beauty, our lives, our stories, our diversity, they matter. They matter on a universal plane. They matter to our soul journeys, and I do not believe that they will be lost. We are like rays of light. We are like an arrow, like a beam of light created. And you are on this beautiful trajectory as you. That doesn't take away that you are inseparable from all the rest of the light. But wouldn't it be boring if all we were to be is the ocean and not all the beautiful creatures within it? Mentioning the ocean, I happen to watch... um, It took me a while to see it, and I had the opportunity, and I saw Avatar The Way of Water last night. And I almost didn't watch the whole thing because it's a pretty long movie, but I did. And parts of it are truly heartbreaking. And some of the readings I will provide to you today um, will also talk about how we have strayed even while we are learning lessons That movie so beautifully demonstrates how the harshness, the rigid lines, the cement, the burning, the clearing of the forest. I won't give away the movie. Um, The love between the people who were conscious that they were not separated from one another or how they perceived the divine from their planet and how they had the love and the flow of their lives. And yet, will was imposed upon them by those who did not understand. And we are in a place, and some of the readings I opened to did echo this, we are in a place in our history where we are learning very significant societal lessons. I happened to um, hear something, and I saw it in a different way. Um, And it was really not too long ago that I heard it um, today. And for all the benefits, yes, of our modern world, and they are many, and we are having important lessons here, I am speaking using technology for all of those benefits. And this was someone who was saying how um, how we can't do a single thing in a day without so many other people helping us, like the, the grocery and where the the products come to the grocery and all the infrastructure around us that we have built. And yet, the fascinated fascinating thing, and this comes also from both Avatar movies, is we are like babies. We have forgotten everything, many of us, not all, 
our ancestors knew about taking care of ourselves. We are as helpless as can be. One solar flare wiping this out, the electricity, then where would we be? When was it ever considered good to make us helpless, to not know what herbs could help us if we need it, to not know what plants we can safely eat, to not know, to not know just about everything you can imagine to take care of ourselves and to be living in places, and here we are in the world, where technically you would not be able to live without all this artificiality around us. And that artificiality could be gone in a heartbeat. In fact, those who know, I mean, I do believe in miracles. I do believe it's possible to keep this at bay. I do believe that um, we are here living as we are for a reason. But we don't realize by separating ourselves from the natural world, from the age-old wisdom that really did matter, we have made ourselves helpless in a material way. We are never going to be helpless in a spiritual way. That is not possible in the midst of the omnipresent divine. And that may seem contradictory, but I do believe we are learning lessons as a society. And those lessons are being written upon the Akash, the lessons of planet Earth and its phases. I do want to read a quote. I kind of strayed from it. I'll be jumping around a little bit today. I have a number of quotes, and I'll for sure be going over time today. Um, I Right after the Martin Luther King quote, which reminds us about faith, and I don't mean to be pessimistic about the natural things in the world, but we have placed ourselves in an environment, and I'm talking about things like solar flares, or I know some of you um, in the United States, for example, have been impacted by some very catastrophic um, tornadoes recently. I mean, there are things that happen in this world that show the power, the power of the earth and of that which surrounds the earth and the sun. Are there miracles in the midst of those things? Oh, yes. In fact, I had some years ago a guest on the show who talked about a powerful tornado in Joplin. And she was a grief counselor and still is today. And she was talking to survivors. And she was amazed to hear the same story from multiple children in particular about the butterfly people. They didn't call them angels. They called them the butterfly people and how these beings were helping both the alive and those who were transitioning both. And they came through this tornado. On a scientific level, I do believe a very powerful F5 tornado is a vortex and it could be powerful enough to warp space and time. That is something we never explore. It could be like if you've ever heard of the Philadelphia experiment, for example, where there have been said to be these exper experiments with time. Well, there are those. I mean, you see weird anomalies in tornadoes. And I had this theory a long time ago, although I have heard 
other um, theorists in the spiritual community mention mention this idea. Um, but I've been thinking about it for a long time because I've had a fascination with tornadoes most of my life. But that'll be a story for another day. Like, how does a blade of grass end up through a fence post? Things like that. That suggests those weird things you see, some kind of warping of the space-time in something so powerful. And the biggest question is, why are there things like that? Why are we on the Earth with something like a tornado? Why? Well, that's always the big question. And the only way I can explain it is we are here by choice and we are here to have some very courageous, powerful soul growth experiences. I want to share a, um, a quote that came up from Emily Dickinson. I just opened straight to it after I was looking at the Martin Luther King quote. And Emily Dickinson lived between 1830 and 1886. And it's, here is her little poem. To make a prairie, it takes a clover and one bee, one clover and a bee, and reverie. The reverie alone will do if bees are few. That's a really beautiful poem about appreciating nature. But it also relates to the Martin Luther King quote, because when we say that faith is taking the first step, when you don't see the whole staircase, what we are saying about abundance is that it takes one flower and then another and then another and then another and then another and then another. Look at a meadow that is filled with flowers. Do you see limitation there? That is a lesson of nature. The image I chose to place with today's show was actually not of a naturally growing flower. And I debated that after I placed it, and then I realized that was important too. What are we doing with our creativity, with the passions of our hearts, if not growing beautiful flowers, if not creating? How we look at abundance important because we may shift how we define abundance. We may find ourselves in a place of really quite a bit of simplicity and yet we feel joy and yet we feel feel vitality. I will tell you where I am now is one of the simplest places I have ever been except for maybe when I was very young and starting out or in graduate school or certain places, and yet it's wonderful. I've readjusted what I think of as abundance, and I'm thankful for every bit, and I'm thankful for creativity and where it might lead. Even if I was in a space where, you know, I could set up something more complex, as abundance appears, that wouldn't necessarily feel like abundance to me. Oh, sure, it would to a degree, but we rapidly are trained to use up whatever it is that comes to us and to think that that is abundant living. Abundant living is finding joy where you are 
and vitality and miracles and wellness. We may be tested. We may be entering a kind of winter or be in the midst of winter. But no winter lasts forever. Stay true to the dreams of your heart. Stay true to your dreams. I opened to some other passages today, which I will now... Some of these are very obscure in very big books, and I'm not going to read any very large passage, but um, they speak to some of these things, and I, I'm not reading them in quite the order they appeared. I'm just going to grab this book like I did before the show and open to the passage. In fact, I don't know if I even, in this case, okay, I don't even really know this author. This author lived between 1554 and 1628, Folke, Folke Gravel. And I opened to something. They were excerpts from something called Calica, which was written in 1633. And I saw immediately it was about nature. That's a synchronicity. I'll tell you about another one that happened last night after I read some of this. I'm not going to read all of it. Let's just jump and see what I saw. The world that all contains is ever moving. The stars within their spheres forever turned. Nature, the queen of change, to change is loving. And form to matter new is still adjourned. I'm going to jump ahead like I did when I was looking at this. The nurse life wheat within his green husk growing flatters our hope and tickles our desire. Nature's true witches in true riches in sweet beauties showing, which set all hearts with labor's love on fire. No less fair is the wheat when golden ear shows unto hope the joys of near enjoying. Fair and sweet is the bud, more sweet and fair the rose, which proves that time is not destroying. I'm jumping ahead. The golden age was when the world was young. Nature so rich as earth did need no sowing. Jumping ahead again. Desire was free and beauty's first begotten beauty. Then neither net nor made by art. Words out of thoughts brought forth and not forgotten. The laws were inward that did rule the heart. 
The brazen age is now. When earth is worn, beauty grown sick, nature corrupt and not, pleasure untimely dead as soon as born, both words and kindness strangers to our thought. If now this changing world do change her head, Kalika, Kalika, what have her new lords for to boast? Okay. I'm going to stop there. I just opened to this. This is how it works. I know this is obscure. And even the author, Folk, could be pronounced Folk, a Gravel, obscure. I know nothing about this author. And yet, what is it talking about? He may be speaking, and some of it is within the context of beliefs in those days. But ultimately... We are talking about, it's amazing that he's speaking of this in 1633, thinking the world is being ruined. That's so sad because another author who's much farther ahead of him or beyond him um, says the same thing, only he observed in his childhood that it wasn't ruined. It's not totally ruined, but we have a long way to go. And we have lost our path. We're learning here. The sustainable path, the real path on a given planet, actually is much like what is shown to us in Avatar. Not the destructive impulses. What lasts is when you live in balance with your planet and do not Seek to ravage the world on which you live. And that started a long time ago. Our warlike impulses led us there as well. In fact, now I'm led, and the live show's going to finish here in a minute. Um, I will briefly stop and say um, a thank you to those of you listening live. You'll be able to hear the rest of the show in the podcast. A thank you to Blog Talk Radio. Wow, we're featuring this show in the number one slot today while live on the live on the front page of Blog Talk. I appreciate that very much. That doesn't always happen. Um, and yes, the show will continue. But you know, to close out the live show, by the way, FrontierBeyondFear.com is the site corresponding to this show if you want to visit it. There's a quote that I found on a note here. Again, from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who I will probably read a few quotes today from, even though it seems um, this is part of the theme of the days in which we live of the time. Violence begets violence. Hate begets hate. And toughness begets a greater toughness. Along the way of life, someone must have enough sense and morality to cut the chain of hate. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who lived between 1929 and 1968. In fact, while I have the live audience, here are a couple, some of these you've heard. I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden 
to bear. Another, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So those of you listening live, I hope that inspires you today to reflect upon um, how we need to find our way forward. And there will be another beautiful quote of his that I will quote at the very end of the episode. To, and, and you may not have heard this quote. It's a good one. That'll be later. So thank you, live audience. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, very much today. Very much. Nature, when undeterred, finds a way to balance. You ever look at the cloud patterns and how they flow? There is a balance. It can shift. The earth has been through many phases in its history. We must find our way best we can. We don't know what the future holds to balance. We are limitless and we also have the opportunity to find balance. In this same book, I opened to something else. Another really obscure author. Actually, before I do that, I'm going to tell a story. Last night, at some point, I, I'm not sure if it was before Avatar or I paused it for a while. I think it was before I turned on Avatar. I turned on the TV. That's right. It had to have been. And it was on a station where I'd been watching the weather. And I don't usually watch network shows. And there was a magician on the stage. And um, he, right then, um, had an assistant who was holding a giant card, playing card, hidden, and said to pick a card, to say what you thought that card was, and to say it out loud. I immediately said, Queen of Hearts. In fact, I said it quite confidently, Queen of Hearts. And then, what should happen? They turned the card around, and what was the card? Queen of Hearts. How did they do that? They didn't do anything. He said rather sheepishly that only some of the audience was amazed because there's a 1 in 52 chance of picking the the card and the rest didn't pick the right card. Well, somehow I did. And it felt very miraculous to turn to that And it felt like a synchronicity. And in fact, the poem I just read a little bit ago referred to a queen. And of course, I wasn't thinking about nature, but earth is often thought of as a divine feminine. It was a reminder that magic and miracles, that miracles are real, that we live in a miraculous, magical place, and that there are synchronicities, which I felt that was. I didn't feel it was random. And I chuckled to myself, yeah, you know, 
why can't that happen with the lottery? Well, you know what? Sometimes it does for people, but we're not all meant to win the lottery, and maybe we don't want to win it. A lot of times that can cause trouble in people's lives. Wouldn't you rather create a reality for yourself from the dearest creative dreams of your heart? We are creators. I'm not taking away. Sure, I buy a lottery ticket every once in a while. Perhaps I may. I should be inspired to do it after being... Um, after picking the card, our soul knows what we need. We are on a path of soul growth, and not all of us are intended. Our souls are not intending all of us to win the lottery, but even by winning, well, even by winning, even by being on this planet, it's an amazing thing that we are doing. We are courageous souls having a human experience. Here's the next poem I turn to. This wasn't totally in order, but in this book it was. This is another author I don't really recognize. Thomas Traherne lived 1637 to 1674. Let me say I know nothing about the the lives of these authors. I'm just opening in a book, and we need to feel the creativity of the words themselves and what they have to say to us in the highest spiritual place. This poem is called Wonder. How like an angel came I down, how bright are all things here. When first among his works I did appear, oh, how their glory me did crown. The world resembled his eternity in which my soul did walk. And everything that I did see did with me talk. The skies in their magnificent, the lively, lovely air. Oh, how divine, how soft, how sweet, how fair. The stars did entertain my sense in all the works of God so bright and pure, so rich and great did seem as if they ever must endure in my esteem. A native health and innocence within my bones did grow, and while my God did all his glory show, I felt a vigor in my sense that was all spirit. I within did flow with seas of life like wine. I nothing in the world did know, but t'was divine. Harsh, ragged objects were concealed, oppressions, tears, and cries, sins, griefs, complaints, dissensions, weeping eyes were hid, and only things revealed which heavenly spirits and the angels prize, the state of innocence and bliss, not trades and poverties, did fill my I won't read all of the rest. It's a fairly long poem, but it's amazing that I turned to this. I just turned to this. I don't know who this author is. It's a very big book. This book, and I was turning in multiple books. I mean, all in all, we're talking probably 3,000 pages between all the books I'm turning in here. This particular book is over 1,200 pages, and I turned to a poem that talks about the innocence of the world and us being in it. 
in that innocent state and the oneness with the divine, that, my friends, is miraculous. That is a synchronicity. If that can happen, what else can happen in our lives? Here's another one in this book. I can find it. Let's see. This one I'm having trouble seeing what I first saw. It might be may not be one I actually turned to at all. In fact I think yeah, this is just a random one and I'm not seeing anything. Okay, that's the end of this particular book and what I turned to there. So here is Here is an example of a book where I was looking for a particular author, but I was not looking for a particular passage. And now I'm going in reverse of what what I opened to, but that's fine. I was looking for Henry David Thoreau, who lived between 1817 and 1862, but I was not looking for a particular passage in his essay, Walden. And here's what I turned to. I left the woods for as good a reason as I went there. Perhaps it seemed to me that I had several more lives to live and could not spare any more time for that one. It is remarkable how easily and insensibly we fall into a particular route and make a beaten track for ourselves. I had not lived there a week before my feet wore a path from my door to the pond side and though it is five or six years since I trod it, it is still quite distinct. It is true, I fear, that others may have fallen into it and so helped to keep it open. The surface of the earth is soft and impressible by the feet of men, and so with paths which the mind travels. How worn and dusty, then, must be the highways of the world, how deep the ruts of tradition and conformity. I did not wish to take a cabin passage, but rather to go before the mast and the deck on the deck of the world, for there I could best see the moonlight amid the mountains. I do not wish to go below now. I learned this at least by my experiment that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. He will put some things behind, will pass an invisible boundary, new, universal, and more liberal laws will begin to establish themselves around and within him, or the old laws be expanded and interpreted in his favor in a more liberal sense, and he will live with the license of a higher order of beings. In proportion as he simplifies his life, the laws of the universe will appear less complex. And solitude will not be solitude, nor poverty, poverty, nor weakness, weakness. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now 
put the foundations under them. I turn to that. I mean, I need to hear that. We all need to, you know, most of these things I need to hear too, and I'm sharing them with you. Yes, I wanted to hear from Henry David Thoreau, but he really delivered today. Before that, I wanted to hear from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who lived 1803 to 1882, and the two actually interacted with one another in life. I turned, and I wanted to hear something from the essay Nature, but I didn't know what. I turned to this. In inquiries respecting the laws of the world and the frame of things, the highest reason is always the truest. That that which seems faintly possible, it is so refined, is often faint and dim because it is because it is deepest seated in the mind among the eternal verities. Empirical science is apt to cloud the sight, and by the very knowledge of functions and processes to bereave the student of the manly contemplation of the whole. The savant becomes unpoetic, but the best-read naturalist who lends an entire and devout attention to truth will see that there remains much to learn of his relation to the world and that it is not to be learned by any addition or subtraction or other comparison of known quantities, but is arrived at by untaught sallies of the spirit, by a continual self-discovery, and by entire humility. He will perceive that there are far more excellent qualities in the student than preciseness and infallibility, that a guess is often more fruitful than an indisputable affirmation, and that a dream may let us deeper into the secret of nature than a hundred concerted experiments. Isn't that something? I open to that. Lots of synchronicity going on. The divine is here. In fact, now I'm seeing a number synchronicity that's meaningful to me. Very meaningful. (laughs) The divine is here. You are inseparable from the divine. These books can speak when we allow them to. The past can speak, no matter who is speaking. The concept of namaste, they were a part of God too. They were very imperfect, just as people today are very imperfect. There were many things society need to work its way through, very harsh things. There are still harsh things in the world today, in different ways. Some of them echoing harsher things in the past. Beauty can 
can help us. It reminds us that we are not alone. It uplifts us. It changes us. It immerses our spirits in a greater wholeness. Just as Ralph Waldo Emerson talked about, you don't need to dissect every little bit. This is the mystical. Let it be. Let it come. Let creativity come forward. Find a way to live in a space of simplicity, like Henry David Thoreau said, and poverty won't feel like poverty. To what one person might be poverty is a huge amount of abundance, joy, vitality to those who can perceive it. Reflect on what true abundance would be to you. Reflect on what abundance you see around around you. Reflect on where your heart is leading you in creative ways. We are creators. We are inseparable from that animate creativity that is the divine, even by being special souls within the midst of that and not being fully aware of how inseparable we are. But there are days the veil is thinner and there are miracles and they are real and they remind us of what possible Hey, I'm going to just check on the show right now, getting a bit very involved in my work today as I let my spirit flow. Okay, now we're going to jump. Let's see. Well, let's see where we are here. Okay, we already did that book. Put my books. I've got so many books here. Okay. Here are some more. Um Wow, we've got a lot of readings today. Um, Here was one. I was looking for Emily Dickinson, and it almost isn't as good as the one that came up, but I'll go ahead and read it because it has to do with joy. 1830 to 1886, Emily Dickinson lived. How happy is the little stone that rambles in the road alone and doesn't care about careers and exigency, never fears, whose cost of elemental brown a passing universe put on, and independent as the sun associates or associates or glows alone, fulfilling absolute decree in casual simplicity. Yeah, actually that is very much related to what we were just talking about, so I'm glad that I was led to go to that one next. So I'm going to turn in this same book just like I did. Okay, let's hope that I can find the passage that I saw when I first turned to this page. I don't like to mark up these books. This is um, by William James. It's in an essay called The Will to Believe that I turned to. 
um, again, I did not look for this, 1842 to 1910, he lived. Well, okay, I think this is what I saw. Okay, let me, okay, I began by a reference to Fitz James Stephen, and again, I, I'm just jumping into this. Let me end by a quotation from him. What do you think of yourself? What do you think of the world? These are questions with which all must deal as it seems good to them. They are riddles of the Sphinx, and in some way or other, we must deal with them. In all important transactions of life, we have to take a leap in the dark. If we decide to leave the riddles unanswered, unanswered, that is a choice. If we waver in our answer, that too is a choice. But whatever choice we make, we make it at our peril. If a man chooses to turn his back altogether on God and the future, no one can prevent him. No one can show beyond reasonable doubt that he is mistaken. If a man thinks otherwise and acts as he thinks, I do not see that anyone can prove that he is mistaken. Each must act as he thinks best. And if he is wrong, so much the worse for him. We stand on a mountain pass in the midst of whirling snow and blinding mist though through which we get glimpses now and then of paths which may be deceptive. If we stand still, we shall be frozen to death. If we take the wrong road, we shall be dashed to pieces. Do you not certainly know whether there is any right one? Okay, I wasn't even supposed to read all this because now I remember what I was supposed to read, but that's fine. We'll talk about what I just read. What must we do? This is what I intended to read, but I actually opened to the whole passage. Be strong and of a good courage. And for the best, hope for the best, and take what comes. Okay. William James is talking about the uncertainty of life, which, of course, we do feel. It can feel very uncertain. There can be difficult things that happen. We are tested on our paths. I do take some issue with him in the sense that I do believe, short of the simulation hypothesis, which I've talked about before, that we can prove that spirituality is real and that um, we can prove it, that we can study it. I mean, even what happened to me today, what happened to me yesterday, the statistical likelihood of so many coincidences are amazing um, that it's just un the unlikelihood that I would experience so many coincidences related to this program. But what I really wanted to emphasize here is be strong and have a good courage. Courage comes from the heart, the core. Yes, the core and the co core. I can't speak today French. That's all right. Um, but it's heart-based where we are led. Next. Robert Frost lived 1874 to 1963, turned to this. I actually first turned a little bit before, but then I saw this, and I don't even remember 
this um, poem called Blueberries. I will not read it all. You ought to have seen what I saw on my way to the village through Patterson's pasture today. Blueberries as big as the end of your thumb, real sky blue and heavy, and ready to drum in the cavernous pail of the first one to come. And all ripe together, not some of them green and some of them ripe. You ought to have seen. I don't know what part of the pasture you mean. You know where they cut off the woods. Let me see. It was two years ago. Oh, no. Can it be no longer than that? And the following fall, the fire ran and burned it all up but the wall. Why, there hasn't been time for the bushes to grow. That's always the way with the blueberries, though. They may not have been the ghost of a sign of them anywhere under the shade of the pine but get the pine out of the way, you may burn the pasture all over until not a fern or grass blade is left, and not to mention a stick, and presto, they're all around you, as thick and hard to explain as a conjurer's trick. Now, isn't that a fun synchronicity, given what happened last night with the card? This is just yet another reference to the abundance of nature. Let's talk about what it means with our lives. It may seem like we have just been through the worst. It may look like a wasteland around us. And yet, this poem is saying abundance appears. Nature, nature brings forth, brings forth <laughs> abundance. I don't care if I can't talk today. That's fine. Here's another one that I haven't even had a chance to see because this book is so old, this person was still living when this book was published. William Carlos Williams. And I'm not all, he was born in 1883. We'll leave it at that. And this poem was written in 1950. Next to it is a poem called Queen Anne's Lace, which I've been observing in the meadows. So that I find, and it's very abundant in the summer. The pause. Values are split. Summer. The fierce jet an axe would not sever spreads out at length of its own weight a rainbow over the lake of memory. The hard stem of pure speed broken. Autumn comes, fruit of many contours. That glistening, that, I can't even read this word, that glistening, Tegument. Painters love hiding the soft pulp of the insidious reason, dormant for worm to nibble or for woman, but there within the seed, shaken by fear as by a sea, it wakes again to drive upward presently from that soft belly such a stem as will crack quartz. Okay. And this is called The Pause. I have never seen this poem. I don't know if I've seen this author, maybe in passing. Do you see what it has to say? Those of you heading into winter, do you see what it has to say? Those of you who I just talked about, you may be living in, it may feel like you're in a wasteland. I know the economy is difficult worldwide, and certainly in the United States. I know that many are feeling this. I know this in the spiritual community. Things are changing. 
And it can feel frustrating right now because you get messaging that suggests that everything is fine, and it's not fine. It's not fine right now. It's very challenging for many people. People are encountering challenges. But what this poem talks about is how even out of that wasteland, growth will appear eventually. And renewal and creativity will appear again. This is true of our souls. Even when a given life is done, there's more to be created. Here's another one. I turned to this earlier um, than the one I just read. Again, this poet was still alive when this book was published, so I'll just say he was born in 1921. I do think I've read possibly this poet before. I know I have at some point, but I wasn't looking for him today. Richard Wilbur, I turned to the beautiful changes, and I love that it refers to Queen Anne's Lace. I mean, I couldn't make this up if I tried. And the conjurer in the last one. I mean, don't you see the synchronicity? The beautiful changes. One waiting a fall meadow finds on all sides the Queen Anne's lace lying like lilies on water. It glides, so from the walker it turns dry dry grass to a lake as the slightest shade of you valleys my mind in fabulous blue lucerne's. The beautiful changes as a forest is changed by a chameleon's tuning his skin to it as a mantis arranged on a green leaf grows into it, makes the leaf leafier and proves any greenness is deeper than anyone knows. Your hands hold roses always in a way that says they are not only yours, the beautiful changes in such kind ways, wishing ever to sunder things and things selves for a second finding, to lose for a moment all that it touches back to wonder. That was written. I have never read this poem, I don't think, or if I have, maybe once says it was written in both 1947. It shows 1947 and 57. It may be that's when he published it. Do you see the beauty of that? I hope you can reflect upon some of these poems. You may want to look them up yourselves and reflect some more. Yes, we're going a bit over. We're at the hour. We're going to continue because I'm going to finish these readings, but I'm almost done. Here's another book. Let's see what it showed me earlier. I can't even remember now. Okay, that was not something. I think there's just one. Actually, I'm seeing a confirmation of something else that's unrelated, related to my research. How interesting. See how that happens? That the statistical chance. It's the second time today, actually, I've seen this confirmation, something I had mentioned to someone. Okay. I am actually reading a book by D.H. Lawrence right now called The Rainbow, which um, and I he's a beautiful writer, and I've been wanting to rediscover 
his writing, having not revisited it in a while. D.H. Lawrence lived between 1885 and 1930, and what are the chances I would open to this in an essay? First of all, I opened to D.H. Lawrence. Second, and this book alone is over 1,300 pages. I'm on a page 1149. He has something to say that very much relates to the theme. It's an essay, apparently, about his life. It's kind of sad because isn't it interesting? He say now he grew up. I read he was um, in a mining environment, and in the, that time, some really awful things happened to the landscape. But in this part, he's saying, "I just turned to this. When I was a boy, the whole population lived very much more with, in italics, the country." Now they rush and tear along the roads and have joy rides and outings, but they never seem to touch the reality of the countryside. There are many more people, for one thing, and all these new contrivances for another. The country seems somehow fogged over with people and yet not really touched. It seems to lie back away, unreached and asleep. The roads are hard and metalled and worn with everlasting rush. The very field paths seem wider and more trodden and squalid. Wherever you go, there is the sordid sense of humanity. And yet the fields and the woods in between the roads and paths sleep as in a heavy, weary dream, disconnected from the modern world. Oh my goodness, to open to such a passage in this giant book and really quite a large essay. And it's called, this is in something called the Return, Return to Bestwood. I mean, that is divine omnipresence all around us. It will help us. It will guide us. It will carry us through those difficult times. Often a difficult passageway is taking you where you need to be. Sometimes it ends. I've seen miracles like that where it just stops. Healings occur, miraculous healings, all kinds of things occur. But when they don't, when you are going through a passage where you are being tested, look to nature, look to the abundance, look to trust, and trust that there is a reason. Sometimes it's because of a soul family around you that there are lessons they need to learn. You're not just here in a vacuum by yourself. You're connected to everyone else. Sometimes an entire society is going through a passage. This entire world is going through a passage. Back to Avatar. I was viscerally reacting to really what was in both movies. To see the ravaging of that world and the disrespect and of the people, of beauty. I mean, just, it couldn't be more stark. 
as portrayed in that movie and the utter lack of caring about anything really except selfishness. We are learning experiences in this world. We are learning. We are on a soul journey, but it's also very sad. To think that D.H. Lawrence, who, you know, when he would have written this, we might have said that things were really pretty nice in the countryside, although not necessarily in the in some of the lands he came from with mining and all. I mean, we have taken such a wrong turn. I mean, it's a lesson, it's a lesson, and it probably ends many civilizations, this particular turn. Um, it seems like you're improving. Sure, you got this wonderful grocery and, you know, all these modern conveniences, but how long is that going to last? And yes, like in Avatar, and it's in both movies, you're like babies. You're like babies who know nothing. I mean, babies can be very innocent and all, but when it comes to taking care of themselves in the natural world or in any world, you have known nothing. We have severed the ties with the wisdom of the past. But we can find ways to keep them going. We need to trust right now in this world. And as I promised, I will end now. Thank you for those of you who've been listening in the podcast. I want to read, because it's easy to become resentful in so many ways nowadays. It's very sad in many ways, the lessons that we've had to learn. And someday we'll figure out why. We'll see it on a soul level. We'll see it. And this applies in many ways. Once again, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who lived 1929 to 1968. It takes empathy, patience, and compassion to overcome anger, hatred, and resentment. One of the things that has led to so much ravaging of the world is our warlike behavior through the ages. So many times, wars, subjugation, destroying the land, destroying, you know, it's just like in the movie Avatar. It's very symbolic intentionally, I know, that movie. I heard recently that um, there are these sea creatures being discovered on the sea floor while um, I think they're trying to mine, they're, they're looking to mine the sea floor and that there are undiscovered, never before seen creatures being found. And so we're just going to kill them too in our voraciousness, if not stopped. I don't want to give away the story of the new Avatar, and I won't. But those of you who see it, I mean, there have been other movies with this theme. Look how, you know, we just can't stop. We can't stop our voraciousness. We'll look to other planets if we could, although the Fermi Paradox, which I have talked about before, which asks, how come there aren't lots of other planets? In fact, I would say if they developed, in fact, this is a, an associated theory with it. 
if some of those other planets had developed advanced AI, and I, I'm no believer in advanced AI, not in the way that it's elevated. It has no intuition unless imbued with that. It has no chance of making an intuitive leap. It's based on information that it has and extends from, and a lot of that information is incorrect. But let's imagine that it, a civilization could develop in the highest or the lowest technological way. They would find us easily. They would find plenty of worlds. Then they haven't. We're not seeing a lot of evidence of highly technological societies out there. And we're looking. That's the Fermi paradox. There may be some that manage to survive, but I think that there is a lot of evidence and logic to say that the planets that do thrive in a space of vitality have no need of technology. They develop spirituality like the Avatar planets. That's Our planet could have been that way. In some ways, our planet is that way because underneath all that veneer, all those jagged edges, there are miracles. There is magic. And there are those of us who know that spirituality is the path forward. Eventually, a planet that develops spirituality can protect itself from anything. Now, we may be protected anyway. We don't. We, the materialists will say that everything is, is random. Well, it's very possible. There has been no giant solar flare because it's not meant to happen right now. In fact, that's the way it is in life. Only things that are meant to happen, happen. It's not random. But... If you could develop spirituality, sure. You could shield your planet. You could do all kinds of amazing things. That's what spirituality is. It's capable of miracles. And yes, you could heal. And healing does take place. And some of us, many of us, more and more of us have personally observed it in truly impossible, near impossible ways. And yet it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. That could be a soul family lesson. Or, you know, sometimes it's time to leave a particular life. And that's, you know, it's you're not here alone. There's always a reason. Your soul has a reason. But miracles are possible. And we must never lose sight of what is possible. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. What step would you like to take today? What staircase will you build? You can build a new staircase. You don't have to follow someone else's. It doesn't even have to be a staircase. I prefer a beautiful, I don't know, blaze a trail and hope it doesn't leave a scar on the meadow. Like we heard Henry David Thoreau describe how quickly a path is formed. Well, we need some paths right now, the ones that lead away from strict, harsh, judgmental, fundamentalist materialism. There is no form of fundamentalism in the world that threatens us more. I mean, there are many types of fundamentalism. 
I'm a fundamentalist when it comes to unconditional love. That's a fundamental for me with the divine. We all have our fundamentals. But when it comes to being hostile and squashing and mocking spirituality, that is the blind leading the blind. And not everyone on this planet is blind. Let's hope more people wake up and let us find that space of compassion and peace and empathy. You have to make peace with your own past, too. There can be, we all have things that were difficult. We can move forward and trust. Thank you for what's one of the longer shows I've done in a while, those of you listening in the podcast across time. I will be live next week, or plan to be. That will be June 24th. This show airs live on Blog Talk Radio Saturdays, most Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And it's also on many podcasting platforms. Thank you again to Blog Talk Radio for having this program number one under live shows on the homepage today, which is unusual. May your passageway, whether into summer or into winter, however you view the solstice on your path, be a joyous and productive one. May you think about the light, because that's often pondered at this time of year. May you think about the miraculous. May you think about the omnipresent divine in all of its nuances, the divine feminine as well. May you think about the earth and how alive it is and the mystery there, the mystical. These things we can't just explain, just as Ralph Waldo Emerson talked to us about in his essay, Nature. That not everything has to be broken down to some rule or law or observation, although many things can be observed. Allow yourself to flow and be and feel. I will see you next time. Take care, everyone.